Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Green Lantern to my Superman. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? You guys are nerds! Yeah, Kevin is, Kevin was laughing so hard when I started this podcast that he can barely stay in his seat. And our very own Matter Eater lad, that's right. God damn it. <laughs> it's Eric. <laughs> it's Eric. Rodbeck. Eric, I don't know what that is. You told me it was a bad superhero. Can you please so, explain it? So every week, little uh, peek behind the curtain, every week, Nathan's like, I got to do our intro. What am I going to choose? And we start throwing things out to him. He's like, no, 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 no. I don't like that. And today I was like, why don't you do Legion of Superheroes? And he's like, what's that? It's a, some corny-ass comic from the 50s. That's, wait, that's a fair thing to say. I yeah, think. it's very fair. But I just said, do like- Legion of Superheroes and I can be Matter Eater, lad. And, and then we went to start it. And Eric goes, do you know who you're going to be as it starts? <laughs> and, and then I was like, Nathan well, like kind of half dies. I'm like, Eric, you know, he's just going to say Batman and Superman. Yeah. And Eric's like, Batman's not even in Legion of Superheroes. No, Batman isn't even in there. Because he's a nerd. Oh, my gosh. Hey, hey can you tell me what, what it, what, what's a Matter Eater Lad? Matter Eater Lad was just a dude in a blue top. <laughs> Sounds familiar already. I want Brad Pitt to play Who this character. Eight Matter. So if you locked him in a steel room and said, you're never getting out, Legion of Superheroes, he was like, I'm going to eat that wall. Wait, uh, and he could just, like, would he, like, pull it out with his hand and then eat it? No, I think he'd just bite into the wall, bro. Bite? What? <laughs> it's not, he's even, not Matter Grabber, lad. He's Matter even, Eater, lad. How do you even bite into a wall? When you I, don't, going, I don't have the superpower. I don't know. When you, you are Matter Eater, lad. I just list said of the people, too. Like, this was not an appealing list of superheroes to choose from. No, and they all end in lad or boy or, or girl. Karate like kid. Karate Boy Kra- 2? Karate Kid 2. Well, I think because Karate Kid 1 died... But, but see, that's that's the big question. To, to confirm anyone wondering, Karate Kid Two is a white guy with a red bandana and a gi on. His superpower wait, is he, wait. So he looks he like knows karate. He looks like Ken Masters from. He looks like he looks like, a looks like white him. Ryu, basically. <laughs> so he looks like Ken Masters then. From <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so this week, ladies and gentlemen, season. welcome to the dead zone of the off season. Yeah, this Never is our kidding. this is our, like our last like goof around podcast before next week we start division previews and Seahawks connections. And I'm just we just got a um, this is it. This is the last time you're going to hear us do a, a really terrible uh, long intro long intro like that. Okay, so let's start off with the Seahawks news this week. Um, Seahawks, minor. This is how bad it is. Seahawks wire posted. Uh, Seahawks may make Bobby Wagner highest paid linebacker in the NFL. Oh, you don't think that might happen? Um, so here's my question. Would you – we talked about this a little bit last week, but right now, how are you feeling? Would you beat the C.J. Mosley contract? Uh, like I said before, I don't like matching stupid contracts, but this is a player that actually could earn that money. I'd much rather approach it from a more creative perspective. Um, but, I mean, if, if he goes this or I walk – I feel like we can build a defense around him, so I'm okay with that. All right, Evan Hill uh, from Hawk Blogger, he posted like a uh, projecting his projection for the Bobby Wagner extension. I think he's a, a little optimistic, but he said, you know, we could get it out to 2023 at um, so $72 million over four years. Uh, it beats Mosley's record by a whole million and contains only $35 million in signing bonus. The thing I think that – I and I understand why he structured it like this because the Seahawks are really gun-shy about – guaranteeing anything past the first year um they've been pretty hard and fast about that last couple years but i think you're gonna have to give him a little more a little more guarantees than that just because it's i think he wants like that that highest paid moniker you know the title and that's what i kind of have a problem with i mean cj Mosley's making a ridiculous amount 17 million it's gonna have to be north of that it's gonna have to be like 18 21 
One, the other one would be to give him like a most guaranteed, so that he can be like make the most because he has the most guaranteed. If you think and he'll you do that by basic, by almost fully guaranteeing the first two years and like half of the third year. One thing is I like that he did is he made a lot of it signing bonus, um, so that he could so that he could vest thirty six million dollars in the first year and uh, and get it over with as quickly as possible, which is pretty smart from a like team building perspective because. The Seahawks have a ton of cap room next year, and uh, like I've always, like I keep saying over and over, I'm gonna bang this drum over and over. Cap room's overrated, and if you can use it to do something like this, where you give him a huge signing bonus and just front load it a ton, that is something I think that the Seahawks should be uh, very, very interested in. And give the team three years of future flexibility. Yeah. So which um, they're already counting anyway, on. Anyway, if, sure. if you check that out, uh, Evan on Hawk Blogger, he wrote that article. It's pretty. Pretty good. Uh, a lot of Shaquem Griffin talk this week. A lot of people. Um, Brock, Must have tuned into the podcast. Brock Heward said on uh, his Blue 42 podcast that he thinks uh, Shaquem Griffin should be p- rushing the passer more. A take you may have heard on this very podcast three weeks ago. Yeah, PFF released an article talking about that as well. Because much like Nathan and I, they watched his college tape and saw him rush the passer really yeah. well. So in his, in, his senior, in his senior, his final game as a senior, he, they played against Auburn. Uh, a pretty good college football team uh, that year. Not like great, I would say, but like a in the hall of very good. I would say a good college football team, um, great defense, solid offense. Good offensive line. Good offensive line, good running back. Um, as a unit, although the left tackle that he got to go against mostly was like a, a converted center. So probably not, probably a slightly easier matchup for him. Although that guy is still kicking around NFL rosters. Um but he went 13 tackles, four, three and a half for loss, one and a half sacks in that game. Had a very, very strong game. And I think that it, it kind of shows as a 3-4 outside linebacker, which the Seahawks do kind of use uh, a players like that in our third down packages. The Jacob Martin. Yeah, so I think he's competing to be Jacob Martin, to share that job with Jacob Martin and get Mingo kicked to the curb. Uh, that's, that's, the comp- that. that's the competition in camp, I think. Uh, in camp right now... Uh, Barkevis Mingo is getting reps with his hand on the ground as a pass rusher, um, possibly getting some time in that defensive end role. As a pure pass rusher on third down, I can see that maybe working, but I think that's more just a sign of his lack of job security. They're looking to see if he's worth a roster spot anywhere. Yeah, I think I think there's two things going on here. One, um, they want to keep two guys uh, on the roster that can play a uh, – a flexible defensive end slash linebacker switch back and forth, drop back in coverage some, rush the passer on third downs back as up a defensive Leo. end. Uh, that's the that's the kind of guy they want. They're they're reserving like one and a half to two roster spots the for Bruce that. Bruce Irvin um, and and those the three guys competing for those two jobs or maybe even one and a half jobs is Shaquem Griffin, Barkevius Mingo, and Jacob Martin. Those are the three guys competing for that that role. Then I think there's four linebacker spots reserved for your more. Uh, traditional linebackers who stuff the run lanes and uh and cover the cover tight ends and cover the middle of the field that's obviously bobby kj ben burkhurvin and um oh my gosh what cody barton cody barton like right off the bat those are the four guys that are going to be those four guys those spots are filled but what if kendricks doesn't get martha stewarded then i think i think you you flex you make the roster flexible you justify it by saying Ben Burkhurvin and Cody Barton are going to play on special teams I agree. a lot, and you and, prob- and you probably you probably are a hundred percent out on uh, Mingo at that point because he can't play special teams, and yep. you're keeping Shaq as another special team. I mean that is which turns 100% out one and a half roster spots. So that's that's kind of where I'm at on that. I, I 
Shaquem Griffin, his path to making the roster is is something like that. Uh, he's a really strong he's a really strong special teamer, but not like unreasonably. So I think there's a more hype, and the big plays were really big, but there there's a lot of lows too. He was not perfect. He looks like role. a safety rushing from the edge. He he needs he needs to uh, he needs to grow into his special teams role and, and learn it because I don't think that that was what was expected from him in college to be like a pure special teamer. He w- he was a star on that defense, probably their most disruptive player. And so they, they, they expected him to rush the passer and get after the passer. You want to get scouting term? He's something they call a battery guy. Okay. He brings the energy to the defense. It's a battery guy. <clears throat> Different than the motor guy. Yeah, motor is motor like... Motor never gives up. Yes, that, that's that's like a hustle guy. You're Grant Wistrom. It's when you bring your lunch pail. <laughs> With a blue-collar uh, mentality. Save us, Nathan. Uh, uh, would, would you like my NFL news? Uh, I'm not even sure anymore. Can I get my <laughs> NFL news first? Do it. Okay. If you have not listened to Patrick Mahomes' interview on Barstool Sports <laughs> yet, it is golden. Okay. I love Big Cat and PFT commentator. Like, I like this podcast, even though it is probably stupid and makes me more dumb. But I just think it's a, fu- it's a really fun listen. Okay. And they're both really funny. They do great Chris Berman impressions like we do. They did a whole segment. Wow. They did a whole segment where they did... um. Uh, what if Chris Berman was announced? I can't remember what it was, but it was really funny. Okay, anyway, Patrick Mahomes. Okay, Patrick Mahomes, things he said in this in this article. You ready? Yep. One, mm-hmm. he said, I could throw a football 100 yards if I was in Mexico City. He was also quoted as saying he could throw it over the mountains. He said, he, "This the direct quote is even if he was in Mexico City. Wow. Because Mexico City is like yeah, it's, higher it's up. The high, yeah, it's the altitude. So, uh, but he, he said, plays for Kansas City. He goes to Denver. Yeah. This is what he said. He said, yeah, I got to like 80 or 83 in Denver, and then you have to times it by two because it's like two miles above altitude. <laughs> no, so that's I can, not how that so, works. He said, Kevin, your so, whole thing about uh, him going to said, a community college. He said, so I can handle that extra 20. Also in this interview, he I said... I went to a technical school and can't do math. Uh, longtime listeners know I make fun of Patrick Mahomes often because of his uh, pro, pro love of ketchup, his professed love of ketchup. Two ketchup-related items from this interview. One, he said... When I was a kid, I would just eat ketchup sandwiches, ketchup with bread. I'd eat them like every other day, which is the most disgusting thing I could think of. I would like to remind everyone. Throw bologna in there, and it's, it's he did expensive. not grow up incredibly poor. His dad is a major league baseball player. Yeah. So, like, uh, for all of you going, oh, yeah, poor kid food. No, not poor kid yeah, food. This dude voluntarily this did this. This is a kid who wanted a snack of and delicious ketchup Nathan sandwich. Nathan saved my favorite take for last because oh. it's the most true. Oh, and he said this. He said, I like playing in the Color Rush jerseys because I look like a big giant bottle of ketchup throwing it out there. Which I think was a joke. I, it was a joke. But it's true. But, it, but it's true also. He does look like a... And So, you know what I have to say? Um, well, one, I don't ever want to see Patrick Mahomes teach a physics class. And two, your love of ketchup continues to disgust me. Thank you, Patrick Mahomes. All right, Kevin, what's your NFL story? Uh, my NFL story is that, uh, despite being a rival, uh, a, a heartwarming story, the Los Angeles Rams adopted a service dog and named it Cooper Pup. Ooh, that's a good, good a name. strong <laughs> pun name. I'm, I'm uh, really happy with it's, that. It's like, uh, poor dog, but I remember how much Kevin loves puns. This is a great pun. Uh, that is my NFL news. That it's also an illustration of how dead the offseason is. Um, yeah, Real news that I have: Todd it, Gurley uh, is not practicing yet because he's still injured. Because his knee fell off. Maybe he will never play this year. Uh, the thing that Kim comes out of this uh, article that I read that really bothered me: it said Todd Gurley the second, because he was- now he's junior 
and that bugs the hell out of me. Quit. He's not Junior though. The second is different than Junior. You don't yeah. have the oh, same. Oh really? The, the same, middle name. You don't have the same middle name. That's even worse. Okay. Uh, then the other piece on this uh, real news: R.I.P. Bart Starr. And um, Good player. And and I mean another. Just to go back time. to Seattle really quick. OTAs continue. The OTAs. Uh, Bobby went, but and is like helping, but more in like a coaching role because he's not going to practice till he gets a new contract. So, Good for you, Bobby. Um, I think that's fine. He's that's the like I've said before on this he's podcast. He's living up to his comments. The players don't have very many nego- lever- negotiating tactics. There's not much they can do to to create leverage with the team, and this is one way they can do it. They can say, "Hey, if you want me to do everything, give me a little more money," because he's not breaking any rules right now. He's allowed to do this. Well, and Bobby was very vocal about you know being out there with the guys when other people were holding out, and he's out there with the guys. He's just. You know, it's a, it's a quieter form of protest. Cam held out the whole time. Earl held out until the end. Bobby's doing Earl the right thing. Earl didn't even practice during the regular season. No. Um, okay. Uh, Which may have been part of the injury. Another thing is there's been a lot of stories about the Seahawks' new wide receivers. Uh, and I think that this is an exciting young group of receivers. I kind of agree with all of these articles, the main <laughs> ethos. Um, I'm excited to see, like, John Ursua and... Uh, uh, Gary Jennings get after it in the slot. I'm excited to see how how good DK Metcalf could possibly be. I'm excited to see if like you know Jaron Brown or uh, or David, David Moore, Moore David Moore really up. really take hold of that kind of uh, opposite wide receiver. People are the... saying that Amara Darbo actually might be a thing. Which <laughs> I mean, the dude has some talent, but man. In similar news, Jazz Ferguson caught a touchdown pass. Cool. He's gonna be in the practice squad. Okay, maybe. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, our our theme this week, we we decided we're going to get out on the corner early. We're going to uh, put take it out of the oven way too early. Kevin like half baked. He's like, these are half baked. Um, we are gonna, we're going to be first out here saying these things. These are our uh, hottest of hot takes. We're going to make some takes. We're going to workshop them together. We did a little workshopping before the podcast. I think we're, we're going to workshop them a little more. Um, there are two NFL takes and two Seahawks takes each. For a grand total of 12 takes. That's right. This is a veritable <laughs> a veritable buffet of hot takes. Okay, so we're going to start with the NFL takes. Get them out. Get the veggies out of Some the way first. Some dishes yeah. may taste similar. And, and if you hear these takes elsewhere, know that you heard them here first. Yeah, these are our... They are jumping on our corner. This is our corner. We want to get out there first. So I'm going to go first because I have a big one. You ready for this? Do it, Dad. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the number one rated offense in the entire league and make the playoffs. Um... So they led the league in passing yards last year anyway. Tampa Bay renowned really? for tricking experts often by thinking they might be good. But but here's the thing. Their <laughs> roster's still awesome. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Brashad Perryman at wide receiver. They've got O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, Jameis Winston, of course, uh, Peyton Barber. Did and you just list Jameis Winston as an asset? Jameis Winston, hey, Bruce Arians can get to him. Okay, I'm ready. And Nathan loves Jameis Winston, well, at least at some point. What's, Jay's, what's Jameis Winston really like to do? Throw interceptions, and that's, he's got to stop. <laughs> he must be stopped. That is the problem, for Throw sure. Inter- I love it. Not what he's want to do, but what he likes to do. He does. Uh, yeah. And their defense is actually surprisingly... At least, he, at least his career died doing what he loves. Surprisingly not bad. Like, I'm, I'm surprisingly... Like, I looked over their defense, and I was like, this, this could work. It's... It's not perfect, but their cornerbacks are really good. I think they have a couple solid safeties, and Devin White should really improve their uh, like intermediate pass game. And then Deion Buchanan and Devin White in the middle of the field on like third down, that's rough for other teams to try to throw on, I think. so. They got I, literally nothing from their run game, which was a big issue last year. So Yeah, it, it's not great. But, and their defense. You know, if Ronald Jones can't be worse than he was last year, that's... 
they spent a second round pick on him, and I, I don't think he can go down from where he was last year. That's I just I, I question if the defense has actually improved that much. That'll be an interesting thing to follow. I really like Devin White. Do you not? Are you not a fan? And I also like the players they had last year. I feel like they made some lateral moves. I mean, I think Suta McCoy is kind of a wash. Yep. Uh, they they added Juan Alexander. They to drafted three Bush viable secondary players: White. Bunting, Dean, and Edwards. I think all those guys can have the potential to play. And I don't even think their secondary was that bad in the first place. Um, and I don't know. I mean, yes, they do have to get something out of like William Golston or Jason Pierre-Paul, which is kind of an ask. Jason Pierre-Paul probably <laughs> yeah. not going to play this year. But I but I think do you think he's going to be out the whole season? So you're That's saying they the early rumors from JPP. Uh, I, I feel like he's not going to have enough digits. One and a half this thumbs year. way up. I mean, Too soon, Kevin. I, yeah, there's uh, there's talk that he may miss the whole season. I I uh, I heard he's all, it says he's all smiles, dude. He's all smiles. Look at him. He's so happy. Yeah. yeah so was Malik. He has, neck, he has a neck brace on though for sure. So and, and no one knows. They're like not disclosing it, kind of the way the Seahawks did with Malik McDowell. Yep. So we'll see what happens. I mean, he could. Yeah, he could play zero snaps. I would not be surprised. But as hot takes go, that's that's bold enough to be a hot take, but that is that is a strong possibility. So okay. take number one, Tampa Bay number one offense. You said, mm-hmm. and they, playoff team. They led the league in pass yards last year, so it's like not a huge stretch. But they'd have they obviously threw twenty six interceptions, which was the most by like nine. <laughs> so so that's that, who, not good. <clears throat> who's that starting running back, Nathan? It, it's either going to be Ronald Jones or a Peyton Barber. Yikes! I guess it could it could be Andre Ellington. They have him. Let's be oh, honest. It's a that's triple not yikes. Like running back matters they, that much. They they got a UDFA that I kind of like. Bruce Anderson from from North Dakota from North Dakota State. He's interesting. Yeah, he's like potentially. He's but he's small is the thing. So you're not going to use him on three downs, no matter what. All right, all right, Eric, Kevin. You, me. Go next. Yeah. All right, let's do it. So, top five teams for Super Bowl odds according to Vegas. These are all according to Vegas. Patriots, Rams, Chiefs, Saints, Browns. Okay. Top five NFC championships: uh, Rams, Saints, Bears, Vikings, Eagles. AFC champs: Pats, Chiefs, Browns, Colts, Chargers. I'm gonna say of the AFC and NFC champ top five, two of those teams at least will not record a playoff victory. Like Wait, make so the, the playoffs so or not? Or not? Not make the playoffs or not win a game <clears> in the playoffs? <throat> I got. I got ranked. I got crank up the heat, Kevin. I'm ready. You yeah. ready for this? Kevin's yeah. going. So two of them will not record a win in the playoffs, and the Vikings specifically will not even make the playoffs. Okay. Okay. The Chiefs will not record a win in the playoffs. Well, I mean, hot. I'm already on board with that take. And the Vikings will not hot. make the playoffs. So we're going Chiefs. So Kevin's first take is that two of the prohib- two of the kind of favoriteish teams, the Vikings and the Chiefs, will not make one will not make the playoffs, and one will. If they do make the playoffs, we'll at least lose in the first round. Yep. All right. I like it. Because um, Andy Reid, I, I, it's hard to go that hard against Andy Reid's regular season abilities. So I, I've got to be a little careful on that one. I'm ready to swerve into it. Just wait till we get to the AFC West preview. All right, Eric, what's your first take? <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts will run away, quote, run away with the AFC South. Ooh, this, this leads me into my take. With a record of 13-3. and three. Oh, my God. Ooh, that... Is what makes no, it spicy. That is how, hot. That's, how is like that it. gonna I happen? Like I like it. Well, you're gonna have to realize you're gonna have to have a lot of uh, health on the running back side for the Colts. That's asking a lot. 
Andrew Luck's arm is going to get stronger. It's already, it. it's already showing it they in OTAs. Sign Joe McCoy, right? they got to sign Joe McCoy. They may have to sign Joe McCoy because uh, it uh, hasn't happened yet. But also the Titans. Uh, this is the year Mar- Marcus Mariota decides he's not going to play half the year. He may not play any of the year. Um, meaning they're just, you know, Titans are going to fall. Dude, you are you are leading me into my take. You ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Eric, you'll love this. My also, second, J.J. Watt's still dead. Go ahead. My second NFL take. You ready for this? The Tennessee Titans make the playoffs at 10-6. and six, Ooh. And Marcus Mariota appears in all 16 games. Whoa. I love how you said appears. Appears. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's not going to finish every game. Come on, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> that's uh, just crazy talk. But, uh, but yeah, I think... I looking at the Titans roster, there it's really good except for one thing, which is Mariota is completely unreliable. So I, I'm, but they did sign Tannehill is equally un- unreliable. One of these things, Tannehill was the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. Now, yeah, Adam Gase is a good coach. I don't know what to blame that on this. Just, but the the Titans depth chart is is really good except for obviously if Mariota gets hurt, it's horrible. So. I really just am relying on his health, and I'm just going to shove all my chips right in on it. You and the listen whole to, city in Listen to the weapons, okay? Tajay Sharp, Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Taewon Taylor, and Adam Humphreys. So what are the weapons? Those are five wide receivers, and Humphreys is good, and one of those other guys is going to be good. I don't know which one. <laughs> okay, so he's got two good wide receivers. Delaney Walker's awesome. We all agree. Jonu Smith filled in admirably for Delaney Walker once he got hurt, and then I think Derrick Henry is, is showed that he's ready to make the leap. Deion Lewis, also a good weapon in the backfield. So they got good weapons on this offense. I don't know. I'm into it. And their defense is, was fine last year. I don't see anything. It's not going to be worse. I thought Amani, Amani Hooker's a really good fourth-round pick, too. I will say I'm really sad I can't make exotic smash-mouth smash jokes anymore. Yeah, That, that makes me sad. That is, that is sad. Now, I'm sad that their first-round pick is not really going to play this year. Jeffrey Simmons is a beast. Can you imagine Jarrell Casey and Jeffrey Simmons lining up I adjacent can. to each It'd other? Be really good. Gross. Mm, that's a lot of interior just messing with people. That's like, I mean, I always make the joke like Jarrell Casey's a people mover. Like he just the way he uses his lower body to leverage and move people around is is impressive. Jarrell Casey's one of I think the most underrated players in the NFL. Yeah, he's like and Puna Ford. Good. Putting Jeffrey Simmons uh, next to him, that's. Uh, that's that's thinking that's cooking with gas. Uh, but yeah, as <laughs> Jeffrey Simmons probably won't be able to play most of the season. He'll start on the pup list. We'll see what happens there. All right, ready for mine? Yep, let's hit it. All right, we're gonna go with something. Gotta stand for the whole take. Oh man, it's a long take. Baker Mayfield. Okay, Baker Mayfield will finish above Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Wentz, and future Hall of Famer Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> In what? In Passing DVOA. Okay, DVOA. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's not Fo- that's not that spicy, is it? Fo- Fo- no, that is. That is. I okay. Think I don't. Um, Baker Mayfield. Um. Okay. So if we because look- uh, so will Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton. Oh! Oh! Wow! Got that's them. right. Kevin. Kevin Dalton in with yes. a big Baker shocker. Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, and Andy Dalton will finish above Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Wentz, and future. NFL legend all century like team, put, James Garoppolo. <laughs> I feel like you put Garoppolo in this take just to drag him, which yeah. I which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, you, you think, uh, dude? If if the 49ers would have had Jimmy Garoppolo last year, they'd have finished like with a different record. Yeah, like six. They would have been six and ten instead of four and twelve or whatever. No, they were five and eleven last year, and they yeah. would have been four and twelve. Um, 
Yeah, I don't better pass uh, better passer rating last year. Nick Mullins or Jimmy Garoppolo? Nick Mullins probably. Nick Mullins. Garoppolo was terrible in the three games he played. Like legit awful. Made me look like a genius for but, shorting him. I shorted San Francisco in so many different bets for season long. Uh, like I was like, see, San Francisco under wins. San Francisco under. Uh, hey, at San least he's making a lot of San money. San Francisco not make the playoffs. So, so for those of you paying attention at home, I this was basically just a take that is me saying these three massively overrated quarterbacks will finish in the bottom half of the league. Yeah. Because if you want league average... But Dalton... Dalton Cousins and Dalton. Everyone is hating on Dalton this year. Yep. Because this offensive line is going to be trash. They and he's still a bingle. He finally shed the, the yoke. Uh, Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis's corpse will no longer be able to hold him down. Eric, your second NFL take. This kind of leads into my... Hot take, Kevin. 2019 is the beginning of Philip Rivers' rapid decline. Oh, no. I know. this. Everyone hates this I love in this room except for me. Uh, missing targets. Uh, the strain on Gordon will be getting to show as uh, he's already kind of sustained some injuries and he had a, <clears throat> a very full year last year. It's all going to be on Phil and Phil's going down. Uh, I'm not a Philip Rivers believer like other people in this room. Uh, I don't that care about the style delivery. I don't care about the bolo tie. I don't care that he throws to Antonio Gates. You don't care that he actually better... knows all twelve of his kids' names. Yeah, that's a that's debatable. Um, and he didn't cheat by giving them all the same first letter. Yeah, thanks, George Foreman. And uh, I just feel like uh, this uh, this is this is the end for Phil. George Foreman sadly does not know all his kids. And he's names. gonna go a good golly. All right. Uh... You ready for Seahawks takes, boys? Seahawks takes. We're doing okay. team takes or player takes first? I'll do, I'll do team take first. All right, team take. My team, team take. take. Um, Seahawks finish top 10 in the league. They go from 32nd to top 10 in passing attempts. You don't pay your quarterback that much money. He, you, okay, well, let's start with this. Russell Wilson is the first player with average per year higher than the original NFL salary cap. I love that stat. $35 wow. million. The original, the original ni- I think it was 1994, NFL salary cap was $34.9 million. You don't pay him that much to turn around and hand it off. They're going to throw. Two years ago, they threw 550 times. To get into the top 10, you're going to need about 575 pass attempts. I think you see Russ really chuck it this year. Move the ball around. More three wide receiver sets. I'm all about it. Seahawks finish top 10 in pass attempts. Kevin. All right. Your Seattle Seahawks, your 2019-2020 Seattle Seahawks, uh, they will finish in the top 10 in the NFL in adjusted sack rate, even without the services of Frank Clark. I love this take. I think this is very hot. Uh, I think they'll do it with an a la carte pass rushing menu. possibly even hotter than, than my passing attempts take. I like it. And that adjusted sack rate increase along with the DB prowess will lead to a top five defense, according to defensive DVOA. Right. Hmm. Uh, mine is kind of in lines with, line with Nathan's. Uh, Seahawks will finish in the top five in, uh, in passing by yardage. All right, I like it. In the NFL this year. That means that uh, they're going to throw the ball a whole heck of a lot. We, we thought about doing a take on... Touchdowns, but no one could agree. But yeah, they're going to air it out quite a bit. All right. And then, yeah, well, the, the reason we couldn't grant touchdowns is because the Seahawks were like top 10 in touchdowns this year and they led the league in touchdowns two years ago. So it was like, how hot is this take, really? It was one of the ones we had to workshop even before, yeah. before yeah. the play. All right. Um, player. All right. I'm going to, this is a, a player who didn't get, who had played well last year, didn't get a lot of opportunities. And I think their opportunities will be expanded upon greatly. Puna Ford will lead the Seahawks in run stops this year. Uh, that's uh, 
stopping the runner before he can get make a positive play, according to Pro Football Focus. I'm all about it. Puna Ford, he's a ninja. Um, I'm in. T- I'm I'm so excited to see him get a million run stops. Uh, Kevin. So, last year, the uh, Seahawks were led in touchdown receptions by Tyler Lockett. Uh, the with ten, the tied for second place were uh, Jaron Brown and David Moore, and Doug Baldwin with five each, leading the Seattle Seahawks in touchdown receptions in 2019 will be our newly minted outside receiver and deep threat DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf will have the most touchdown receptions of any Seahawks wide receiver. Sweet. Uh, partially due to Tyler Lockett moving inside to the slot, I think changes that role a bit. And I think with the increase in pass attempts, it'll be airing it out long to DK Metcalf, who's a guy who can make make a man miss in the back end. Tyler, I've seen some long touchdowns. Tyler Lockett has like a flexible piece that can play inside and outside. Leaves this team with a lot of options for how they want to construct their roster depending on how things shake out in camp with all these young guys. Yeah. If JB and uh, and I did it David again. Moore. David Moore play really good. They can be like, okay, we're going to backseat Ursua and uh, Jennings and play Lockett in the slot. If Ursua and Jennings really step up, they can say, okay, we're going to cut, you know, Jaren, David, uh, JB or... D- David Moore, and they're going to just, you know, move on from one of those guys and keep both those other guys. Like, they have options now. Well, and Jennings is an inside-outside guy, too. They'll, they'll definitely make him learn one of those positions more than the other, but he's uh-huh. another guy who offers so, some positional flexibility. Sorry, I yawning. I have a feeling that that it'll that he will end up as more of a slot guy. That's just my my take from watching his college stuff. I, he, I know he can do both, but... Just but his from, footwork separates better from the I slot. I just really liked the way he looked in the slot as a senior. They played him, in, and he was able to really stretch the field from the slot, which I think is a very like unique talent set that would really fit the Seahawks. Yep. I just remember Jermaine Curse running those long seam routes from the from like a slot or inside more inside position and catching the ball in the middle of the field, like the last play of the uh, the last Seahawks play of the. Uh, of that overtime win against Green Bay in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of play that I think Gary Jennings is is tailor-made for in the Seahawks offense. Hmm. And that would add to your... I mean, no matter what, DK Metcalf, yeah, he's going to look great. Anyway, Eric. DK Metcalf not going to be in the slot. Okay, uh, the <laughs> final hot take. This is the one that... Hey. It's the one I'm most hopeful for. I'm going to get on a soapbox about slot guys in a second, Eric. Um, you go ahead, finish your take. Okay. Sorry, I just want to... I want, don't want to forget... <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do it now? Bookmark right you want me to soap? You want me to? You want me to? Might as well. Might as well. No. No. Are you, you sure? Finish the hot take. Yeah, I want to finish the hot take. Shaquille Griffin, Pro Bowler. At me, won't you? Tight. I'm into it. Shaquille Griffin, Pro Bowler. It, it would be. Uh, so after his rookie year, I think we all agreed he was on that path to like being a Pro Bowler, a borderline Pro Bowler. Yeah. And last year seemed like a a step back, step back, or maybe even net nothing depending on how you feel about his injury. Either way, it was not a huge step when forward. I, when I watched a lot of film, uh, I, I spent like a couple nights watching film, uh, I felt like it was a, a large step back or or such a such a lateral nothing that I, I just became enraged. So this is a pretty hot take for me. So, all right, you guys want my, uh, my slot receiver take? Yeah, yes. let's do this. Let's talk I'm, slot. I'm sick and tired of listening to like general NFL podcasts. Like I listen to like... Um, like a fantasy podcast or I'll listen to uh, a, a whole league podcast. So the guys who cover the whole league and they'll say something like this. They'll say, well, Andy Isabella is going to play in the slot. 
And it just like makes me so frustrated because one, the Cardinals already have two slot receivers. They Christian Kirk, I think, came to the most people thought he'd be a slot receiver. And Larry Fitzgerald is a slot receiver at this point in his career. hundred percent. And two, have you even watched a single snap of UMass football to think it's like people just decide like, hey, this guy's short, so he's this. Or this guy looks like this, so he's that. And there, you got to understand there are certain guys that break this mold. I would be surprised if Andy Isabella gets used a lot in the slot this year because it would be a big departure from how he was used last year at in college. And so maybe he plays the slot in year two or year three, but in year one, there's no way. If he sees the field at all, he's seeing the field as an outside receiver because that's what he's been asked to do his entire life. And you just don't come in and, because you're short, become a slot receiver. That's not how it works. Well, and as somebody who's watched the king of the air raid offense for a number of years at Washington State, the inside receivers mostly run timing routes. Yeah. Andy Isabella's weakness right now is timing routes. He has a tendency to put a little bit too much into um, starting his route. He puts a little extra sauce on all the breaks that's unnecessary. He's got some bad habits in that way. As an outside receiver on a later developing route, that's not a big deal. On a timing route, like a quick three-step slant or something, that is murder. He will be off time on your quarterback every time. And um, I think it was... Um Someone at the ringer, I don't remember who it was, they interviewed Hollywood Brown. And one of the things Hollywood said in the article that I thought was really interesting was that you need to use your gears. And he said he learned this from his cousin, Antonio Brown. And that's, you don't always have to run full speed. And that's something Isabella, like Kevin said, Isabella could learn from, is that when you watch Hollywood Brown tape, he doesn't always run as fast as he can until he needs to. And then all of a sudden, it's just like he hits an extra gear and he's gone and no one can catch him. Or he hits an extra gear and now he's created a little bit of separation. He lulls guys into a false sense of security and then all of a sudden he has an extra gear that they don't. And yeah. that's that not running as hard as you can all the time thing is, is something that veteran under, receivers understand in the NFL, guys who've been around. I'm sure Doug Baldwin was something Steve Largent was the king of that. Understood. Can we do a cross-sport reference here? Yeah. Uh, it's like in basketball when you kind of go at about three-quarter speed uh, in one direction, and when you cut your brake to drive to the lane, uh, as you come out of your body turn, you accelerate immediately to full speed. I thought you were going to do changing pitch speeds. Changing <laughs> pitch speeds is definitely that, a piece of that, that, too. That's kind of how I feel about it. It's like it's just you, you change the speeds. You change the look, right? And and Hollywood Brown is the expert at it. And that's the skill I need Isabella is going to need to learn if he's actually going to play slot, and it's not easy. And that so that's the skill that Tyler Lockett had to learn for the NFL. Just just wanted to rant a little bit, and I always want to rant. Anytime I get in an argument with someone on Twitter or Reddit or something, I'm always like, I'm going to rant about this on the podcast. Let me loop this in even better. I would argue that the short wide receiver equals slot wide receiver take is the lazy equivalent of the take that we talked about, I believe, two weeks ago, which is Akeem King's our number three corner, so according to Madden, he's our slot corner. <laughs> he's our slot corner. It's, it's a no-analysis analysis. Oh, this I mean, it made this more... person might not be able to be a tackle in the NFL, so they must be a guard. I'll That's be, not how that works. I'll be honest. It made more sense when we had, we had no other options at slot corner. Like, before we had... Uh, Ugo Amadi, and before we had, uh, who's the other guy we picked up? Um, Simeon Thomas? Is that it? Jamar no, Taylor? Uh, yeah. Jamar, Ta- Jamar Taylor. Before we picked up uh, Jamar Taylor, those guys weren't, we didn't really have a good nickel option, and Akeem King made sense there. But we obviously felt that that was something we needed to address in the offseason by making a couple moves, and we did. We made a couple moves, we drafted a guy, we went and got uh, a guy, and yeah, now, now that spot is like 
well covered with great competition, which the team loves. So I'm excited. I'm excited about to see how that competition develops. Just like Arizona already had two guys to play in the slot, so even running a four wide receiver situation, they needed outside guys. They wouldn't have drafted Andy Isabella that high in order to be their third slot receiver. That's not how you it build was, a roster. It was already sketchy when they drafted Christian Kirk, just because uh, you know very different skill set, but better as an inside guy. But now they have you know you can go Fitzgerald, Kirk, Williams, and uh, or sorry Fitzgerald, Kirk. Butler and Isabella, and that's like four kind of insane wide receiver talents all on the field at the same time. Because Butler and Isabella are both outside-only guys right now. I, I think that that, unless, you know, you could turn Isabella into a slot guy, it's just going to take a year. Um, maybe but, uh, maybe the Cardinals, people who are watching the Cardinals think that Cliff Kingsbury is going to be this, this uh, offensive maven who's really going to change the landscape with receivers, which I mean, it takes a visionary to do that. And I feel like people are already thinking this guy's the next it guy, but this room doesn't think so. My biggest problem with the uh, Arizona Cardinals roster construction right now is that they have tons of weapons. Their offensive line is still dog shit. Like they, their offensive line, they're going to start J.R. Sweezy at left guard. I mean, we saw that last year. <laughs> that's pro bowl. That's pro bowl quality talent right there. <laughs> Okay, this is why your Pro Bowl take maybe isn't as hot as you think, Eric, because apparently anyone can make the Pro Bowl. This is true. Um, but you, like, th- at home. That's the thing is, yes, the thing is could looking at their the offensive Bowl. line, Jace Jarrett is probably their second best offensive lineman. Like, this offensive line's not good. And so then you you go in, and yeah, so you have this bad offensive line, and their defense is like, eh, their linebackers are, are definitely not good. So if it's true air raid, then you're trying to counter for that by having Kyler Murray get rid of the ball in about uh, two seconds. Yeah. The, so the, it's going to be a lot of quick passing routes, which again, you don't want Andy Isabella in the slot on quick developing like routes. Literally, the only thing I like about their defense is the defensive line's good, and uh, and they have good safeties. Everything else sucks. And after week seven, their corners are okay. Is that when Byron Murphy comes back? That's when uh, Pat Pete comes back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say, Byron Murphy and Patrick Peterson's fine. Right, but Pat Pete's out. And they have Tremaine Brock, so that's, uh, that's a beating. Okay, um... Gotta get my Tremaine Brock. Should be, in, there. should be in jail jokes. Okay. Anything else you guys want to get to before we uh, head into the uh, the old the old Zona de Dinero? Uh, nope. We got better no. full length podcast coming up in the future. This one uh, be a little well, shorter. Okay. Folks. We so cobbled this one together. Let's get let's get let's get it out there. Um, next, you know, long time listeners know, long time listeners know that that uh. We do uh, division three. The preview. faithful fourteen. Yeah, the faithful fourteen. The trusty twelve. Um, the uh, twelve. Can't use twelve. That's copyrighted by the Texas and the fifty of those. Uh, who that'd get... be the twelfth. <laughs> that'd be the twelfth man. This is the trusty twelve. Okay. They you can't copyright a number. Uh, they they tried. Um, okay, but uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> the you guys know that we do division previews in the off season for every division. Try to make connections back to the Seahawks. Uh, chat chat a little bit about each, how we feel about each team. Also, get a feel for the league as a whole, which gives us a better idea where the Seahawks fit in it. Leading think, up to our uh, playoff predictions. I think predictions, that's, I think that's right? what what made us all so confident the Seahawks were going to make the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. Was after doing that, going through that process, you kind of get a feel for how the Seahawks fit in the the like greater landscape of the league. Um, like right now, if you just ask me, like I'm worried about the Seahawks defense. But maybe once I go through all the teams and look at what's going on elsewhere. I might not feel so strongly that way. I might feel more like, yeah, it's going to be fine. Uh, just really, you you got to kind of uh, get, kind of got to got got to get your finger on the pulse. You know, you got to got to get that. So, all right, Any, anything else for you guys? No, let's take it to the money zone. 
Um, okay. Uh, let's. Uh, we got a new. We got a new Patreon. That's James. Yes. James, you're the man now, dog. Thanks, James. Uh, James. Sean Connery reference. <laughs> uh, James. Oh, internet meme reference. Uh, James Forrest, Chuckatilla, Tom, Lucas, Carrie. There are there are big uh, Patreon supporters. But you know, you gotta shout out a couple more because I have uh, extra time to fill. So Bob, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Flockness, Prime, Keith, the uh, Arthur, Frank, Michelle, Brian, uh, you and Nick. You guys are killing it on the Patreon. Make sure to join our group chat in there and, uh, you know, check out the betting podcast coming soon. The first off-season betting podcast coming soon. Also, we're going to do something uh, a little special, hopefully, in late June, I think. Starting in late June? Yeah, there's going to be like a little, we're going to do like a little mini-series in there that I think will be quite satisfying to the patrons. Um, It'll be like Roots. What? Wait, what? Uh, Eric said, I'm sorry, the Thornbirds. Oh, me like the Thornbirds. No. Eric, your name is no. Toby. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, hey, wait, wait, wait. Uh, what about what about our new Patreon James. thing we're thinking about? That's, That's what he's talking about. about. That's what it is? Oh, okay. Oh, Very well. Gosh, Eric. I don't know. I thought you had something where you're going to look at film Eric, and you're going to. Welcome to the podcast. I had this great Eric. idea. I've moved on. It was a it was gentle tease. Fun. Going to the Cardinals uh, podcast. Also, Eric uh, doesn't believe in foreplay. Nothing. Not about the gentle. <laughs> not about the gentle tees. Also, this is a shout out. Just wants to go straight uh, into it. This is just shout out specifically uh, for Forrest. Uh, you get to pick the first movie of the next se- uh, week one next season again. So tell us what you want us to watch. And yep. we'll, we'll watch it. Um, and then uh, if you don't have money, you're like dirt poor like me. You're trying to save money. You've got this mortgage. It's really holding you down. And you're like, ugh, what do I do to support the C- my favorite Seahawks Nest podcast? Well, head over to iTunes, give us a five star review, and we're now at fifty two out of fifty two, five point oh uh, reviews. Up two. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, we picked up Cody. two from last week, uh, and then um, J W E R R E J Ware J Ware J Ware. I don't know. He uh, he gave us a good. He said we were with the most weedsy Seahawks podcast, and I'm I'm into that. I'm down with that. Producer Brett supports. Oh yes, producer Brett is the most weedsy Seahawks nest adjacent person. And then I love it, fam. Uh, him and John. Hey, uh, hey, uh, you guys, uh, you guys, you guys ever tried any of this CBD oil? Okay, anyway, uh, this is a Washington, Washington joke if I've ever heard one. Okay, and then, um, you also can head over to Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, however you want to, uh, support the Seahawks Nest. Uh, just give us five stars, give us a thumbs up, give us a like, a heart. Uh, tell, tell two friends about your favorite Seahawks podcast. Hopefully it's this one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, big things in store for CX in this podcast. I'm excited about everything we got going on here, and you guys are definitely a big part of making that happen. Today's movie zone movie. So, um, well, me and Kevin hung out last Friday, and uh, we decided to watch. They a movie. sure did. We decided to watch a movie that I had uh, that <laughs> that I've seen like five times, and I kind of just wanted to talk about uh, the 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 kind of just the the three flavors Cornetto trilogy in general, but specifically the third movie. We have to remember that trilogy. My favorite of these movies was my birthday movie two years ago. Yeah, so let's go ahead and do uh, the World's End. Uh, which so Eric, let's start with you. Have you seen the World's End? Because yeah. I didn't ask you before the podcast. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. We you said we were doing this at the end, and I said yes, and you said oh at the World's End. I was like, oh, that's fine too. Oh uh, yeah, I've seen the movie. I like it. It's good. What do you want to ask me? Go. Okay, let's. So let's talk about first. I have an interesting take one, on this. Movie. One thing I like about this movie, okay, is that Simon Pegg plays Gary King, like this incorrigible alcoholic, and just they spend the first like probably fifty I minute mean, hour of the movie just 
burying but, him. But one thing I like about absolutely unredeemable like cunt. One, one thing I like about him though is that Hey, they, it's a British movie. They never fully they never fully redeem him. I yes. think like he even at the end of the movie he still kind of sucks. They just make sense of him. They just they make, don't redeem. They him. make you like understand him better. Well, that's that's my take on this movie is I don't know if you guys have ever had a friend like this, but the guy that no one out anyone outside of your friend group no one likes this guy because he's an asshole um and you kind of think he's an asshole but maybe you're just friends with him because you've known him for so long i had a friend like that uh known since fifth grade Uh, we just kind of broke off contact a couple years ago i don't miss him but this movie is about that friend it's a guy that everyone is like are we really gonna do that like why are we doing this? And he said, come on, come on, it'll be great. I mean, my friend that, I, that I'm that i referencing, if I could quote him just saying the most times, oh, come on, man, it'll be great. That's all he said. So, like, this character being the... And that's literally a line in the yes, multiple times. Yeah, it's the... It, the per, yeah. bit, this he guy being the protagonist. Martin Freeman's sister. Yes. A lot. Oh, yeah. man. Mar- Martin, Martin Freeman's so great. Like, British actors in this movie. Patty Considine, Martin Freeman, Eddie Marson. Like, they're all awesome in this movie. Is she, is she fit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's so He's, bad. He's, like, such a jerk. It's interesting to see him as a protagonist and to, like Nathan said, he's not fully redeemed at the end, which is honestly the the way to go. I love how he pays back, uh, um, (laughs) how he pays back, uh, was it Nick Frost? Nick Frost character, (laughs) by bar, he's like, he's like, I gave, he gave me that 300 quid he owed me. This is the 600 600. quid I owed you. And he's like, wait, he just brought 200 for me. And me. That's right. (laughs) And me. (laughs) It's like, like, oh, man. He he has the car registered under uh, the one dude's name for, like, 25 years, just scoring, like, parking tickets and stuff on the other guy. One thing I like about this movie is they made Nick Frost look like a legit action hero in this movie. Like, he he does some hard-hitting action in this movie that is really, I think, quite excellently choreographed and directed, which is pretty cool. Well, and he's the screw-up in the other two movies, and in this movie, he's the dude who has it all together. What about David Bradley, Mad Basil? That guy, <laughs> yes. that character cracks me up too. Mad Basil is great. He's like, um, just this crazy old man. He's like, why do I think I drink all my beers through a swirly straw? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the premise of this movie is that uh, Simon Pegg's character. If you haven't seen it. This see, yeah, takes, we haven't talked about this movie. This movie yet. takes such a hard left turn that I would <laughs> highly recommend if you haven't seen it, just watching it kind of in the dark because there's just a there's a point in the movie where like. It starts off, and I'm going to leave a break right there, just it's supposed to, it starts off, there's, they're like, a, it's like a buddy comedy, right? Like, oh, we got to get the crew back together, and one of these guys is kind of a jerk, and, you know, you can see the arc of the movie, right? Like, it's going to be like, how yeah, Simon Pegg plays Gary King, they all, just a total jerk. How they all kind of learn to, Gary, they kind of all teach Gary something about himself, and then he's going to end up being, like, a better person at the end of the movie, which is not what happens. No. Because in the middle of the movie, the movie takes a full-on left turn, and it's like, this movie's actually Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and Gary King and friends are going to try to, like, beat up all the the clones and the... the yes, it suddenly turns into a sci-fi action movie. And you did say at, halfway like, the through. It is, it is literally halfway. There's no seeds being planted that you can easily read. It's no. really interesting. It's almost... It's not quite two movies, but it feels like it in retrospect. But... This is a movie that I think it rewards you for multiple watches. 
Um, see that? I'm not done. In my personal opinion, Shaun of the Dead is a movie that starts off great, and every time I watch it, I like it just a little bit less. I still like it, but I like it less. I feel the exact same way, Kevin. Still a really good movie, but once things start to go south at the tavern, at the pub, it's just kind of like... You're like, yep, this is how this movie goes. It's all right. Uh, I feel like the world's end, every time you watch it, there's just a little more there for you. Uh, in the first one, you're just kind of following what's going on with the flow of the movie, like, uh, and enjoying the jokes. And then I feel like in my second watch, I was really able to get like such a tight feel for, uh, Gary as a character and Gary's just got so much going on. But then as I'm watching it, things start clicking into place for other characters. You start to spot when certain things happened that, you get confirmation of later on, but your first time through, you're not really watching for it because it is such a hard left turn. Uh, There's things that happen pre-Body Snatchers or like just as that whole thing's going where they take advantage of the chaos and the muck to where, I mean, how big of a spoiler are we going here? I guess we spoiled. I'm going to spoil some of my favorite quotes from the movie. Uh, Martin Freeman's character, you can spot the moment he gets replaced and exactly how that happens. And it happens off camera, but there's this, there's like two very subtle nods to it right away to where you're like, Oh, that's when that happened. Yeah. Okay. So, can we go through or some of my favorite, like, because like, this movie has really great banter. Like, the way the characters talk to each other is <laughs> yes. really funny. So, like, it's very one, natural. There's one part where they're all arguing it's about so how, they, how they're going to know um, whether or not someone is a, is a been snatched or not. Because they go off of DNA, so you can't have, like, a scar or anything like that, right? So then, you know, they ask each other to show each other their scars. And Gary doesn't want to show his. And he said, well, if I'm, if I'm a zombie, how could I know that it says King Gary carved in the ceiling right there? And then he looks up there and he says, it doesn't say King Gary. He's like, what's it say? He says, it says King Gay. He goes, oh, someone rubbed out the art. And the one guy starts laughing. He goes, I did it. And he goes, why'd you do that? He says, King Gay. Which is such a thing that could happen. It's such a it's such like that's, dumb, that's it's friends such dumb do. banter. Like, I just like banter like that where people are, are like just clowning on each other and stuff. That stuff cracks oh. me up. <laughs> what do you think Gary's up to now? Uh, playing Need for Speed from the look of it. <laughs> and he's just sitting inside playing Need for Speed while they're all waiting for him. To come back out after at a rest stop. Uh, <laughs> and then one, one, one of the part where Steven's like, wow, you really have selective memory, don't you? And he's like, someone else was just saying that. And he says, he says me. And then he says, no, I would have remembered that. Yes. And then later on, there's another part where they're like, oh, it's sort of like having selective memory. We were talking about somebody who had selective memory. Who was that? Oh, like me. <laughs> Yeah, There's so many of these just dumb jokes. When he uh, when he <laughs> finds out that he got kicked, out, he got banned for life from the pub, and it was like the third on this pub crawl, and so he drinks the beers that are left on the table outside of the pub, and everyone else is just walking away, and you see him, like, it shows, like, his face, and then the beer, and then his face, and then the beer, and then it follows the friends as they walk away, and in the background, you can see him grabbing the glasses and just sculling them from... <laughs> what about when they're debating what to call the, the, the like, the vision engine, and he says, and then uh, and he just goes, I still think nothing that has been suggested in the last ten minutes beats Smashy Smashy Eggman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. Robot is actually derived from the Slavic I'm not word sure meaning if it's, slave. I'm not sure if it's better Robotnik. than hot, hot fuzz, but um, but it it 
it's uh, definitely better than Shaun of the Dead for me at this point. And um, I'm in agreement. And for me, Hot Fuzz is one of my favorite movies of all time. So the, I have such a soft spot. Shaun for of the Dead is the uh, it's the entry drug. It gets you in there. Shaun of the Dead's very enjoyable, but I definitely feel like it has the least to unpack out of the three movies, which is what the other movies have. Um, greater returns for rewatches. Shaun of the Dead's the only one that I think has diminishing returns. Yeah, I And would... it's still like a four for me. It's Met... still a really good movie. Metacritic agrees, scoring Hot Fuzz in the World's End as 81s and Shaun of the Dead as a 76. So all I very, feel that's fair. All very yeah. good movies, but these two slightly better. Um, okay, here's a, here's something. Um, we're going to crowdsource something for this next part, okay? Um, I've, I've had this idea for a while. Um, we do the Eliminators on the podcast. We do some stuff. And I've thought it'd be fun for a while if we uh, drafted some, something. Uh, so, like, maybe, like, instead of doing a Tarantino Eliminator, we do a Tarantino draft, where we each draft three movies. You pick a lineup of yeah, movies. Yeah, you pick a lineup of movies, you explain why you like those movies, and then you, and then the, our, we put a poll on Twitter and let our, uh, our illustrious listeners uh, tell us which slate they like the best. Who drafted the best slate? May I, gentlemen, propose it? Could we call it the Seahawks Movie Nest Tasting Menu? Um, as a three course meal oh of movies. No. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. All right. Whatever you want, man. I don't care. If that's really what you I I feel like we should have taken more time to think about it, but now we're locked in. We're locked in. It's a tasting menu. No, it's a whiskey flight. Okay, um but but uh yeah, either way, it doesn't matter what it's called. Uh craft Here's what flight. here's what I need from the from the from the audience though. What what set set or subset of movies do you want to see us draft? Um obviously in the off season, we we like take more liberties with this this time in the podcast so if if there whatever you want to see um yes please what let chain us know of movies like uh genre directors directors actors, actors. Uh, like is there i like- will be calling it seahawks nest draft day starring kevin costner and uh, the seahawks nest just uh, the, the only thing is please take into account if like don't choose like timothy Chalamet no, or somebody else who doesn't I, have enough of a catalog to do that. With. I also think like there, there's you could take this in like interesting directions. Like you could do like, hey, what are your favorite dog movies or what are your favorite Korean uh, films? Milo and Otis. You would draft Milo and Otis first pick in dog movies? No, it's for Korean movies. <laughs> Dude, ah, I'm back, oh, man. I'm back. Oh, that was no. awful. I know it was. Keep talking. What's your what is your favorite dog movie, Eric? And I want to oh, know. Jeez, um, Airbud Golden Receiver. Uh, yeah, that's Airbud Two, right? Um, sure. Jeez. Now you put me on the spot. I can't even think of a dog movie I haven't made fun of. Isle of Dogs. What about what about like the the, the trilogy? Dog's Purpose, Dog's Journey, and Dog's Way Home. Oh, gross. Uh, I'm just looking at what you have up. Oh, favorite dog movie: John Wick. The end. Done. <laughs> Fair. Done. Yikes. Uh, I don't. Rough. I don't know the original Frankie Weenie short. How's that? Um, I'm gonna go with Beethoven's second. No, definitely. Oh, not. <laughs> the the original cartoon one on one Dalmatians, the end. Uh, Beverly Hills. Cho- no, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm gonna go with. Uh, oh, I love dogs, and there's some terrible dog Turner movies. And Hooch. Turner and Hooch is not bad, Gross. Yeah, but it's not good either. I don't know if there's like I don't know if there's like a truly great dog movie that doesn't make you cry at the end. Like Old Yeller is a good movie, but man, it's uh, Old Yeller where the red fern grows and the dog's purpose. The brute. The brutality of uh, of the end of that movie. What about the 101 Dalmatians uh, straight up live action? Live that's, action a, that's a Glenn Close movie. What it's not a dog it? movie. Um, I don't know. I don't really... Does this make me a cat person? That I don't... 
I don't think there's very many good dog movies. Really? Name a great you cat know what? Movie. I'm doubling down. I'm going to go back to what I said. Milo Notice. Uh, great cat movies? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, the Aristocats. The Aristocats, Cats Don't Dance. Um, Pet Cemetery. Pet <laughs> Cemetery. <laughs> hey, yes. if, J- if John Wick counts, then I have to count Pet Cemetery uh, too. I'll at agree. least that cat lives. So I mean, the dog at the I mean, end of John Wick lives. I mean, he dies much. and then he comes back. Um, Catwoman. It's basically, 2004. Okay, 2004. Catwoman is okay. We got to we got to wrap this up. All right, this is, we are getting we are getting way we are getting weedy. deep diving where no one wants us. We to are deep going. Di- we're deep directions. diving in the shallow end. Is the Lion King a cat movie? No. Yes. Then it's number one. Okay, for Kevin Carver, for Eric Ronnebeck, for Nathan Sinko. Uh, we'll see you next week. Go Hawks.